In this week's In-Ear Insights, there's a lot of talk right now about the impact that generative AI is having on tasks, on careers, and things like that. And I wanted to take a step back today and talk about quality and quantity. So Katie, as a people manager, as a people expert, one of the things that we've always talked about in the past when we had a, a much larger team, for example, was you have sort of A, B, and C players. But there's nuance to that. There's people who are, are extremely skilled, right? And then there's people who are highly productive. And so I guess the question I have for you is, how do you find that balance? Is a a person who has B player skills, but A player reliability better than someone who has A player skills, but C player reliability? The reason I ask that is because it is very clear that generative AI is a B player for skills, right? It's not a Pulitzer Prize mm -hmm. winner. It's not, you know, going to be winning all this stuff right now, but it is an A plus player on reliability. You go to it, you tell it the thing, and in seconds, boom, you've got your thing. It may not be exactly what you want the first time around, but it's not like waiting for, you know, your your ghostwriter to to take six weeks to turn around a piece of content, even though they're a brilliant writer, but they take forever to get stuff out. So how do you think about managing people with that reliability for skill? And then how do you see generative AI impacting that? So you asked a lot of questions in that intro, but you also answered a lot of your own questions in that intro. You may have not realized. Um, I will always choose reliability over ambition. Um, you know, and so when we talk about the A, B and, C, A, B and C type players, so you have the A players who are basically, you consider those, you know, your people who go above and beyond, who are always looking for the next thing. The So that's sort of like the, the good of the A players. The bad of the A players is that it's not bad. It's just the less desirable quality of an A player is that they may be looking for the next thing because they're bored and don't want to do what's in front of them. So they're looking for something else and it can come across as ambitious. It can come across as going above and beyond, but really they don't want to do their own work. They want to do the work that, you know, the guy in the corner office is doing, but they're not willing to put in the work to get to that corner office. So they're sort of good and bad with A. With B, that's basically your solid, you know, they get their things done. They're reliable. You know, they may ask for more or the flip side, they may ask for not. They may say, here's what I have on my plate. I'm going to do what's on my plate and nothing else. And so that's the B player. The C players are the ones who struggle to get the things that are on their plate done, but also maybe aren't sort of looking ahead of if I just do this, then I can also do this. And so the C players, you don't tend to have a lot of C players on your team because they can be, um, you know, using up resources in terms of, you know, bandwidth or um, other people's time, you know, money, that kind of thing. Really good example of this. My husband, I've mentioned before, he works in, you know, a customer service team at a grocery store and he has one team member who is basically holding up headcount. This one team member is always out on some kind of medical leave and, you know, always has a doctor's note, but always magically around the holidays has to be out for eight weeks and they're holding up headcount, which means that he can't hire someone else because they have to hold that spot. That's what I consider, you know, a C player when they're there, they might be good, but when they're not there, it's just sort of a waste of everybody else's time. So I would say you don't typically have a lot of like C players 
on your teams. You want your team to be a good mix of A's and B's. The A's are the ones who are going to like take charge and be more extroverted. The B players tend to be more introverted. So that's sort of just to set the context. So in your question of do you want more A's or B's, well, you want both. Do you want it's 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 A's and B's within quality and quantity because right. you can have someone who's A in quality and a C in quantity. And then you don't want that person because having someone who's just ambitious but doesn't get the work done is also not useful. And so basically what you would want if you were to sort of put it in, I don't know, let's call a Venn diagram, for example, you want the share of the Venn diagram to be mostly in the B because the B is where you're going to get the reliability, the consistency, the work done. You know, you want people who are going to say, and what else? Or you want people who are going to look at a problem and say, can I turn this into a repeatable process? And that's where you have that share of, you know, A qualities mixed with B qualities. So it's, you know, there's no exact science to this because people are different. People are unpredictable and people change and evolve over time. Whereas now you're talking about generative AI. Generative AI evolves as you tell it to evolve. It changes as you give it more, you know, tasks to do, as you give it more training data. And so, yes, the systems themselves will evolve because the manufacturers of these things will tell them that they're evolving, they'll add new features. But really, it's just like any other team member where you have to tell it what you need. You have to train it. So you need to know going in, here's what I need out of this relationship. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. The difference here is that generative AI at least for now, as far as I know, isn't going to say, and then what else? And then what else? How can we surprise and delight our clients? What else could we be doing that we're not doing? Generative AI is going to be a solid, emotionless B player. It's going to say, you asked me to do this thing, I did this thing. Right. What I think I'm hearing you say, though, is that if you want a team that is solidly B players, with the understanding that you want you want a a player quality where you can get it but you mm. must have a player quality for for quantity and for reliability you, you want your you want people to show up and do the thing as as to the best of their abilities even if their mm -hmm. skills are not top notch you don't want people who are very skilled but just can't get things done they're just, they're, they're scattered they're all over the place and things like that that to me sounds like your team is largely going to be generative AI with a few humans to pilot it, pilot it. But because of generative AI's capabilities, it is an A player for quantity and a, right now a B, B plus player for quality. That sounds like the, that's the sweet spot where you want your team to be. What's interesting is I feel like you're mixing up A's and B's depending on the context. And so if you want to, so I'm talking about A players in terms of humans, you know, A players tend to be the above and beyond. Mm -hmm. B players tend to be like the solid, I'm going to get things done. So if you want to turn that into generative AI, I would still say generative AI is never going to be an A player, regardless of quantity, because it, it still needs you to tell it what to do. Got it. So Take A off the table. Generative AI is never going to be your A player. That's reserved for humans who can critically think and problem solve and 
reach out to clients and have relationships like that's something that generative AI can never do. Generative AI is going to be your B, B plus, like maybe a minus player, but it is going to be your workhorse. So in terms of the composition of your team, then mm -hmm. uh, as, as people are thinking about hiring, as people mm -hmm. thinking about their staffing levels for 2024, how do you see the, that sort of a that sort of quantity play? You know, generative mm -hmm. AI can make a lot of stuff with the direction of a human steering it. Yep. Um, how do you see that impacting people's decisions about what their what their team composition is going to look like? Uh, to borrow a quote from Chris Penn, it depends. So think about it. I mean, I would think about it the same way you think about your team composition right now. If you are someone who doesn't want to delegate or tell other team members, here's exactly what I need from you, or you just struggle to do that because it's just not one of your core competencies, you're going to struggle to integrate generative AI because generative AI is basically a team member who needs a lot of delegation and instruction. And so... When I think about team composition, you still need really strong humans who have those skills. And then you also need the complementary, which is the people who can actually do the thing. So I would say, you know, it's, it's funny because as I'm thinking it through, I don't see teams being majority generative AI. I see it. So if you think like, let's say our team had five people. I would say one or two of those seats might be generative AI, but then you still need someone to oversee it and tell it what to do. You still need someone to check its work and make sure it's, you know, the right thing. And then you still need someone to maintain the system. And so you still need a lot of human intervention to make sure that these B players are doing exactly what's needed. And that is no different from the composition of a human team. So it's just a matter of, you know, so you're talking about like quantity and quality, you know, so sure, you could have a B player writer who can churn out five articles a week, one article a day, generative AI can do that, or it can, they can do 10x that, but that doesn't mean they're any good. And you still need someone to say, this is exactly what I need from you. This is exactly what it needs to be. This is exactly who we are as a brand. This is exactly how we need it edited. So I would say I don't, see the majority of a team being comprised of generative AI without without humans. There's no question the humans still have to be involved. But when I think about generative AI, where how things have evolved, for example, we're in the midst of the 12 days of data over on the Trust Insights blog, which you can see at mm -hmm. trustinsights.ai slash blog. Last year, it took me five and a half, six hours per post to 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 do all of the data processing and get these things done the data processing portion and the writing the code portion this year is taking 30 minutes right so it's mm -hmm. it's literally a a five or six x improvement so from a a, a seat perspective in some ways I, the the majority of the workforce on that project is now people people, generative AI that can code at 10x the speed that I code at, right? So from a, yes, the, you still need a human steering it, mm -hmm. like say, okay, this is what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. But the work product is better, because I'm, I'm not a great coder. <laughs> and the work speed is much, much better. So it's, it's like a 10x improvement on speed, and probably mm -hmm. a 2x improvement on quality. And so for if Trust Insights had 
a team of developers that was mm -hmm. working on this code for us, I would basically be saying, I'm pretty sure I don't need the five of you when I have can have one of you steering 10 instances of, of, of generative AI. I feel like, I mean, I hear what you're saying. That's a pretty generalized example. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of companies are thinking that way. It's very short term mm -hmm. thinking. They're like, okay, generative AI can write code. So I don't need these five bozos over here who've been doing it their entire life. The challenge, though, is that so, you know, let's say, you know, you said, okay, I heard generative AI can write code. Hey, generative AI, write some code. If you yourself don't have that capability and skill set, or someone on your team doesn't, you don't know that the code coming out is correct. Percent. So the point being is that, you know, there needs to be some thought. It's not so. Let me step back because my, like, my brain is now working faster than my mouth. There needs to be some consideration as to how you truly integrate AI in because it's not a one-to-one -one replacement. It's not either a human or generative AI. And I feel like that's the context we're talking about. So I want to sort of step back and say it's not a one-to-one -one replacement. Humans are complex. And what you've been saying for years <clears throat> is that the more diverse your skill sets, the harder you will be to be replaced by a machine, by generative AI. And we're at that point now. And so part of the job that I do is writing. And so, you know, we've built Katie GPT. She still needs a lot of work. We've we've discovered this in our analytics for marketers free Slack group. I had her take over last week while I was on vacation. And, you know, I would say she was maybe a B minus has some work to do, but it's a good lesson that, you know, custom GPT models right out of the box aren't great. You still need some training. If Even if they're trained on your personal data, there's still a lot of work to do. And so I look at that and I'm not like, wow, I'm going to be replaced by Katie GPT, like, you know, within six months. It's not true. There's so much that I do that the machine will never be able to do, um, which specifically is be me, think like me, because the way that my thought processes work is not something that I could say, okay, let me write it down. It's going to be a repeatable process. And this is exactly how I come up with ideas and how I get inspired and how things work. I'm never going to be able to do that. And that's something that you can't replicate. So therefore, it's not a one-to-one. -one. And so if you take this example of developers, developers, yes, they write code, but they also have critical thinking. They also have to step back and see the bigger scope of the problem. And that's something that generative AI, at least at this time, isn't doing. It's saying, here's a defined task. You're asking me to do this thing. So it might take, to your point, some of the actual processing um, off the table, but I don't see it as a one-to-one -one replacement as the human. And I think that's where a lot of companies are getting this whole how much of my team should be generative AI equation wrong. And I agree. It's not one-to-one -one because you absolutely still need humans there. Um, right. But it's probably one to 0.7 or maybe one to 0.5 where you can have one person supervising the work of three or four instances of this stuff that do supplant. So if you had a team of five developers, you probably need two. 
right? You 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 mm -hmm. probably you no longer need five because the the arduous time consuming portion of the task, which is you know fingers on a keyboard writing the code, machines can do very capably. In fact, like I was saying, better than I can do. When I look at the code that that a, lang a language model spits out. It's better than my code. I can still inspect it. I can still say, no, that's completely wrong. Like, that is not what I told you to do. <laughs> Fix that. Um, I was working on the, the 12 days data thing for Spotify playlists last night. And there were a couple of cases where the, the, the language model got, just got caught up in its own shoelaces and just fell flat on its face. Um, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have the skill, I have enough development skill to say, that's not what I asked for. Do this instead. Right. But I don't have to write that code because the machine does a better job of it. So in this case of quality and quantity, it is, that is a minus quality. It's, it's better than the, the B minus programmer sitting in this chair right now, but it is, it is still the B player in the terms of like, it has to be told what to do. It's not going to take initiative. Right. But to your point, a lot of companies look at that and go a minus quality and it's an employee. We have to tell what to do, but we don't have to pay healthcare and salary. Bring it on. Yeah. And those are things that you definitely have to factor in. But again, it's sort of that short-term thinking of, you know, as humans, we evolve in our careers. You know, we all sort of start at, you know, I wouldn't say, but a lot of us start at like, okay, here's the internship. The internship is meant to teach us, you know, the basics of the job. And then you sort of move into the, you know, junior role, the coordinator role. Then you move into like, you know, like, okay, now I can sort of stand on my own two feet. Okay, maybe now I can take on you know, some independent responsibility, maybe. And so like it evolves. Generative AI is going to evolve only if we tell it. And I think that again, sort of goes back to, and I feel like you and I are sort of circling around the same point, but just in different words, is that treat generative AI like you would any other team member who needs direction, who needs training, who needs uh, performance metrics, who needs KPIs. Because let's say you bring on generative AI to write all of your blog content. Well, guess what? That's all it's ever going to do. It's not going to say, okay, you know what? I'm ready to move up in my career. Give me more challenges. Give me more things to do. You as the manager have to proactively say, okay, team member, I think we're ready to take you to the next step. And they'll say, great. How do I get there? You still have to give it all of the things. So I guess I look at generative AI as in some ways, like, yes, it can produce a lot, but in a lot of ways, it's a bit of a time suck on resources because of how much instruction it needs. And that's why I say it's never going to be an A player because A players need very little instruction and oversight and training, whereas that is all generative AI needs. Yes, it can produce a lot, but it's still so much time from you as the human to teach it. Okay. I think I disagree with you there, but we don't have, uh, <laughs> and that, and, you know, and that is totally fair. This is just my view on how to appropriately use a system like generative AI. So for example, a lot of companies are bringing it on to, you know, replace content writers. Well, the content that's coming out is pretty mediocre. And I think it's called like the sameness factor because they're not giving it a lot of insight because Generative AI is not a content writer who has 20 years of experience and can draw from different references and experiences and interview people and say, huh, I'm sort of stuck on this. Let me see where else I can find inspiration. Generative AI says, oh, you want me to write a blog post about SEO in 2024? Okay, boom, here it is. 
and well, that's, that's it. just bad prompting. I mean, that's more than sure. that's bad prompting. And it, you know, uh, shameless plug. If you'd like to learn better prompting, uh, there's a there's a course here for that. Um, but you see what I'm because, saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. But to me, it's it, to me, it's no different than the the human intern that you bring on. You're like, okay, intern, we're gonna have to explain to you everything, like in in minute detail. The difference, at least to me is that when I, when I sit down and write out a prompt, build all the requirements, which by the way, requirements gathering is is like literally my life now because prompt writing, if it's done well, is requirements yeah. gathering. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, what's, it's funny, you know, just as, a, as a, a brief aside, requirements gathering is the perfect format for generative AI prompts. If you, if you know how these machines, uh, you know, carry code from one instance to the next and know what to write it is requirements gathering this is an example here i was working on last night where i was trying to put together this 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 the code for our 12 days of data and one of the things that makes this work so well is i have to keep a copy of the requirements in the code so that every time i feed it back to chat gpt in this case when i was using chat gpt it remembers what it was doing i have to be reminded what i'm doing but if because I took the time to write out the requirements. Now, every time I work with this thing, it's it's getting reminded, these are the requirements. Let me make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I'm told. When I work with the machine, if I invest the time up front to do the requirements and build out really good prompts, every time I go back to that, I don't have to do that again. It's done. Whereas a lot of times with humans, if I had a human coding intern, I'd be like, okay, listen, this is how I want you to do it. You're not listening. But I'd apologize for interrupting you, but I, I don't think you're hearing what it is that you're saying. You're saying the same thing about machines and humans. It's just in a different format. You have to tell the machine every single time what it is you need done. You have to remind them every single time. It's just a matter of like, you can just copy and paste it. You don't have to worry about pleasantries and formalities and failings and all that sort of stuff. So that I totally understand. But you have to remind them every single time because they won't remember. With a human, you have to remind them every... So you're saying the same thing. Basically, they're both at the basic understanding level of, yeah, I know you told me this six times, but you have to tell me again because I don't remember from last time. And mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of efficiency of how you can just copy and paste. And here's the thing. You still have to do the work. So you're not convincing me okay that that one is better than the other it's still a time suck the difference is with a human the 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 fleshy messy stuff in our heads is is unreliable with the machinery right now it is it is irritating that it has such a short-term memory right if we go mm -hmm. into the platform here this model here has a 12,000 word memory. This model here has a like a 6,000 word memory. Hence, I have to tell the machine repeatedly, hey, remember what you're doing. This model here has a 90,000 word memory. So as the models continue to evolve, they get better and better memories. The need to remind them constantly is going to diminish very, very quickly. That's not true of the stuff in here. Which is interesting because as and we could debate this all day long and i feel like we should start to wrap this up but as humans evolve in their roles they need less reminding your b player moves into an a player 
So you're if they're good employees. But right, exactly. Right. And so like, and so that's why you say you need that blend of A and B players. And so I feel like if I can sort of, you know, summarize, I feel like we're both saying that as of today, as of right now, generative AI is a B player with no real ambitions because you have to constantly remind it what to do. It can do the thing, but you have to tell it. And so it's really no different from having an individual on your team who can do the work, but needs constant reminding of what the work needs. Now, I think we should revisit this conversation as generative AI evolves because the conversation is going to change. But as of today, because we can't predict the future, as of today, I don't see generative AI as any different from any other person on your team who needs a lot of handholding and oversight. Yeah, that's something we say in, in our, our talks and workshops and things that it is treated as though it's the world's smartest intern, right? But it's still an intern. Uh, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of handholding to be had. There are some things happening right now in the space that and we can talk about another time that are dramatically going to change in the next three to six months that will, will really, really change things up. But that's for another time. If you'd like to hear about those things at some point, make sure that you're part of our Slack community. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,000 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day about analytics, data science, and AI. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you would rather have have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. You can find us on every major platform. And while you're on the platform of your choice, please leave us a rating and review. It does help to share the show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.